The field is set for the Lexus Melbourne Cup. Ready to run. Stand by for a start. Takes crash, and they're racing in the Melbourne Cup. A pretty good line. G'day, I'm Corey Brown. Over the next eight weeks, I'm going to be chatting to some of the best trainers and jockeys in the world. They've all played a part in Australia's greatest horse race, the Melbourne Cup. That first Tuesday in November, when all eyes head to Flemington to see all 24 horses and jockeys take on the 3,200 metres. It's been run 160 times, and last year was a first. It was run without a crowd. What a ride! What a win! I've come second twice, I've come third twice, and I've also fallen in the race. Either way, it's an absolute honour to ride in the Lexus Melbourne Cup and to stand up and listen to that national anthem. It's like competing for your country. And today we're going to have Darren Beeman, a great mate of mine, 86-time Group 1 winner. Uh, I think he's won a lot of Sydney premierships. And just a down-and-out good dashing, bloke. Teetling's in front. Cummings and Beatman. Cummings going for 10, and he's got it. By Londro, the champion's in desperate trouble. Delzeo's gone past him. 150 to go. He's got to the outside. Delzeo in front. The crowd roaring. Go, Londro, go. But the three-year-old's in front. Delzeo. Londro, he's coming. He's going to get there. Darren Beedman has ridden his last race. The nation's top jockey today retired. Dazzler Beedman, uh, really glad to have you on the show, mate. Um, oh, mate, I've actually been looking forward to this all night. I don't want to be um, rude to Bossy or Johnny Tap. I've had nightmares. I've had nightmares, <laughs> mate. I don't know about well, I'll be honest, I've been on a podcast before, but I'd never actually uh, listened to one. And I, yeah. Kylie made me listen to one after I'd done it. Um, yesterday with Bossy, and I didn't realise how relaxed you could be. Not that I'm going to go overboard, but um, but yeah, I, I'm feeling quite good now. But mate, let's step straight into it. Do you think racing these days is when I say as good as what it was? But like we we don't see the horses like we used to. I, I keep going back to oh, I think it was '92, the Cox Plate when um, I think it was Naturalism fell. Yes. Like you go through the list of horses, like there's Burst, Slight Chance, Naturalism, Let's Elope, King Jatay, you know, like where are those horses now in this day and age? We're, we just don't seem to have it like that, do we? We don't seem to have the depth of um, quality horses and I think that, um, you know, I think that the, it's become so much more commercialised as far as, breeding goes um for stallions you know they're you know cashing in on the quick buck yeah um you know not having the the you know the three-year-olds colts racing to four-year-old stallions um and all they get sold overseas like i think the uh the dollars really changed racing in a sense of being able to uh to turn your profit over yeah no like even i remember it's a famous photo and you were in it like um octagonal saintly nothing like a dane and falante you know that mm. i think it was a rosal guineas like you just you don't see that anymore I, no no it's not um it's you see like when winx was around like obviously she sort of flew the flag and broke a lot of hearts um and it was a bit of a 
bit of a one mare show, but um, in saying that, we, we we tend to lose our our top line product too early. I think. Example, uh, exceed Excel. I think like I, I don't think we got to see the best of exceed Excel. I think he's obviously again big money straight to start. You know, never got to see the best of him. But the thing now is that owners don't want to. They want to keep their 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 colts a lot longer. So, um, in like as as in a, as in a colt or a stallion, um, because there's there's that potential there for them down the track to be able to to sell it off. Like they're even bringing in you know horses from overseas. Uh, there's a horse of Maddie Smith's there. Um, was it Fierce Impact? Oh yeah, Fierce Impact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was a, about a six or seven year old stallion come over here and yeah. um, raced, and now he's off the stud. So yeah. Um, I just seen the owner. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I think, I think the dollar signs, people just want to hit the jackpot. Now that you say that, I think back to Jerry Harvey, like I reckon a lot of Jerry Harvey's horses could have been good race horses if they were only gelded, but he's obviously the same thing. Magic millions kept them as stains and they never even raced on. Like, And Brownie, you know yourself, you know, as well as me, it's like if you, you've got a cult, and it's only one preparation away from, like, if thinking, oh, we'll, we'll leave him a colt for another another preparation, but really he needs gelding. And then, you, you know, it becomes a psychological thing, in, like, in their head. So then when they come back as colts, they never really reach their full potential um, because they've turned to the dark side. and then 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 sometimes they cut them and it's too late to even cut them so it's exactly so it's a it's a lose lose having your cake and eating it too (laughs) exactly (laughs) mate let's get on to the banter that we used to have i I, that's one thing i do miss like the jockey room banter you know sitting at home watching the races just it isn't there anymore i've that's one thing I've really missed, especially with you, like when we used to sit side by side in a lot of the jockeys' rooms. Yeah, no, it's. I was actually thinking over, um, you know, some of our, some of it. Well, like we could actually talk about, and um, it's a little, or you know, go back to our days when we were riding work together. Like we're great sparring partners, and we still have a bit of a spar every now and then, and uh, when we go out, um, but. Um, yeah, it was con- confession with Corey, with Hawksy. Yeah, <laughs> that that was when <laughs> that was when um, I was I'd, I'd gone off, you know, to the to the ministry for two years and went to Bible college, and I, I knew I knew I wasn't sort of um, you know preaching to the converted. I had to sort of try and trying to educate you a little bit. And <laughs> exactly. I remember I, I remember one morning where I work, I said, Brownie, I said, what religion are you? He goes, uh, public. And I said, public? What do you mean public? And he said, yeah, I went to a public school. I didn't go to a Catholic school. I said, all oh, right. So, so, so Brownie's religion is public. Public, that's right. <laughs> uh, funny days, actually. I was, I was doing the same thing, thinking of the stories and stuff and, uh, I remember the day that we um, dead heated at Warwick Farm, and mm. after the winning post, I said, uh, "If I if I don't if I don't beat you in the photo, I said I'll definitely get you on protest." And we actually never bumped, and you couldn't work out why. Well, you were saying there's no chance of me getting this on protest, and we got in the stewards' room, and I protested about you 
getting into my whip action I couldn't use the whip so I protested against that and I didn't even know there was a rule like that until uh, it was years before Brad Stewart protested in the uh, the Canterbury Cup and I actually said to Murray you show me the rule where I've got to give him room to use his whip and Murray mm. goes <clears throat> pulls out the rule book and reads the rule out to me so I, I kept yeah. it I said I'm going to keep that I'm going to use that one day and when you had we that ace the, up the sleeve yeah and I, I I remember it vividly when I crossed the line I said if I haven't won this I'm going to get him because he's rolled Daz has rolled right up beside me <laughs> And I couldn't use my whip. And when I got in there, I'll never forget it because Peter Snowden was the trainer. Of, oh, he was the foreman for John Hawks, but he was in the stewards room with me. And I, I said, look, Peter told me, because you said, you don't hit the horses. I just got back from Hong Kong. You said, you don't mm. hit the horses. You push them, you know, like ride their heads down the last three or four strides. And I said, oh, no, but Peter Snowden told me I had to really use the whip on this one. <laughs> and the protest was upheld. And I remember you slamming the door and getting quite upset with me. But that was one of the better days. Yeah. What about the day at, um, at, at Newcastle when you were, <laughs> when you, were um, you know, because Brownie used to, you know, he used to walk around with a real straight back and, you know, he looked very, very, you know, neat and tidy and, you know, he'd always, you know, be fixing his goggles up and, you know, he'd walk around with his goggles on so, you know, the punters couldn't see his eyes, what he was thinking, <laughs> dark dark goggles. So we're at carnival time at Newcastle. It might have been Newcastle, uh, Newmarket Day or yeah. Newcastle Cup Day, one of, those, one of those big days anyway. There was a massive crowd there. Anyway, so I got Brownie's goggles and um, – in the race before because I didn't have a ride in it. So I went to his gear bag and pulled out a set of goggles and and um, and I, I put some black boot polish around the inside lining of the goggles. And so when when Brownie's come in, he's he's um, you know fixed his fixed his hat up and everything. Everything was all nice and neat and tidy. So when he went out the toilet, I went over and changed the goggles over that I put the black boot polish on back on his got on his cat. So he's walked out anyway, he's standing there talking to the owners and trainers and then he gets on the horse and straight back and, you know, looking himself <laughs> in the mirrors at the window as he's walking past. Um, anyway, I was laughing my head off because I was in the same race. Anyway, I told a couple of the boys what I'd done and um, I said, have a look at Brownie. He's walking around behind the barriers and, you know, you can see the cameraman, you know, with the cameraman's coming up, putting the camera on him and he's straight back and, you know, trying to fix everything up, look really neat and tidy. And the boot polish was starting to run down his cheeks. <laughs> so, and I made sure it was on a really good chance that he was on. He actually won the race um, and the boot, boot polish didn't um, blur his vision. But anyway, cut a long story short, He's won the race. He's pulled up and cantered back and straight back, standing there at the front gate, letting for the bloke to let him in. And he's got this nice big long walk down the down the down the um, towards the enclosure. Anyway, he's put his goggles up. <laughs> anyway, he's got this big black rim round his face. <laughs> he's walked back, and all these people are having a crack at him, and he doesn't know what's going on. And um, and then. Big Gaz, yeah, Gaz, Gaz Harley. Harley had to interview you, didn't he? <laughs> Watch yeah. the eyeliner for Brown. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Mate, I was doing the same, like I said, racking my brain for stories. And I, I come up with the one last night where um, Dan and I were competing, going head and head in the premiership. And it was about six weeks before the end of the premiership. And 
Darren got suspended, so I um, I rang Daz, and he was 13 wins in front of me. And I said, Daz, it's not over to the fat lady sings, mate. And he goes, oh, I know, Brown, I know, he says, but let me tell you, she's starting to hum. And I said, oh, okay. So anyway, I, I put my head down, bum up, and went as hard as I could. And I ended up two wins in front of him by the time he got back from his um, suspension, but I got suspended with about four or five meetings to go. And I, I got a stay of proceedings, appealed, and I, I may have robbed him of a couple of wins. It got three or so wins me last day, and then I served the suspension. But anyway, uh, the last day at Warwick no, Farm, pull, Darren had... You, yeah, no, you pulled the appeal. <laughs> yeah, I pulled the appeal, but I robbed you of a meeting. I wasn't meant to write the meeting. I got the stay of proceedings, and I wrote at the meeting and wrote a couple of winners or whatever it was. Yeah, and then, and, pulled, um, and then, and then pulled rank on the appeal. <laughs> pulled, didn't even go to the appeal, which is really silly because Murray really put it up me after that. Anyway, it was the last race day, and I, I think Kylie and I, we flew off to Bali and we were listening in, and Darren had six rides, and the best first three were his best three, you know, and I said, if he doesn't get me in the first three races, I said, he won't get me at all, you know. Anyway, first three races is gone. And at the time I was, I knew Philip Dingle, the steward there. And so I rang Philip Dingle and I said, oh, can I speak to Darren, please? Mm. And Darren said, oh, um, Philip said, no, he said, I can't let you talk to him, but I can relay a message. <laughs> I said, yeah, can you go in and tell him that the, the big girl isn't saying too much now, is she? <laughs> But, but, you know, he, he who laughs laughs. Anyway, so the story goes on a little bit further than that because then they, they had the um, the leading um, the awards <laughs> night, right? So This is so yeah. true. So so Brownie's won the premiership. So, you know, it's like odds on Brownie's going to win, you know, champion jockey of the year because he... The George yeah, Moore yeah, medal the George or something. Medal, George Moore the George Moore medal. medal because the leading jockey would always get the... The, the the award, so Brownie's rocked up there in his um in his Mickey Mouse suit, black tie. He's he's he's, <laughs> he's paid for probably two tables of ten. So there's twenty people he's paid for for dinner, and he's got his got his suit on. Anyway, <laughs> they're going through the awards and three year old of the year and um, stay of the year, and oh, we we'll get down to um you know, the the personalities uh, now. We've got uh, uh, the trainer of the year, the apprentice of the year, and the jockey of the year, and and the Jockey of the Year, um, okay, the Apprentice, I forget who it was, but uh, we've got the, the Jockey of the Year Award um, and Brownie's sitting there and, you know, he's... Hadn't had he's, a drink all night. No, he's saving up and doing his hair and everything, getting ready for Hadn't the big, big walk-up on the red carpet. And <laughs> they said, and the Jockey of the Year goes to Darren Beeman. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> That is so true. But I want you to I want you to tell them how you actually you done that. How did you pull the strings to get that done? Well, I used to because um, I think the media had a lot to do with it. Yeah. And, and so every Christmas I buy um, Craig Young and uh, the Ruder, Chris Roots, Ray Thomas, Ray Thomas. I buy him a tie or a shirt from um, one of one of those menswear stores, and um, yeah, so. Paid off in the long run, Brown. That, that helped. That helped in a big way. <laughs> uh, too funny, too funny. Now, Dad, this is obviously leading up to the Melbourne Cup. Your two Melbourne Cup wins are probably the best staying trainer or one of the best trainers 
the world's ever seen. Did any were either one of them different in any way? Oh, the first one's always the best. Like, and oh, like I didn't have a ride in the race up until he won the Mooney Valley Cup, and then I rode him. That was on the Saturday. Then I rode him the following Saturday in the Dalgetty. Um, I picked up the ride on the Tuesday. So really I only picked up a ride a week before the cup. So um, it was, you know, I, don't, I think I'd had three rides in the cup before I, I, I rode Kingston Rule. It's Kingston Rule to give Barty's eight. Kingston Rule from the Phantom. Third is Mr. Brown. And obviously had a bit of an association with Bart, you know, prior to that. So, uh, but I, I was riding for Jack and Bob at the time. And... Uh, I think on the Saturday on Cox Plate Day, I rode five winners in town for, for Jack and Bob Ingham and, and um, Vicky Thompson. Just another day at the office for Dave. <laughs> Just a lazy five. <laughs> um, but um, so that's basically I was in the right spot at the right time and got the ride on him. But, you know, in I knew how good he ran on the Saturday before when I rode him. He ran second and Bart said, hit him like you're going to hit me. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, what do you mean by that? In other words, don't hit him. So I never hit him on the Saturday because he was quite a soft-skinned horse and he ran second and um, left a little bit in the you tank. You didn't hit him on the Tuesday neither, did you? No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. No, just, um, yeah, if it wasn't broke, don't try and fix it. Yeah, that's right. And what about uh, Saintly, like the horse from heaven? What sort of horse was he like to ride? Oh, I've never, Brownie, I've never ridden a horse that where like where you sit in the saddle, his head just seemed to be another half a neck, three quarters of a neck further than most horses. Like you could never. Yeah, I tell you another horse that's got a neck like that was viewed. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beat me in the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but he was. Um, oh, he was such a. He was such a kind animal. Um, he, I rode him in the Cox Plate uh, before the Melbourne Cup. And we, the four of us went across the line, and it was Falante, all our mob, juggler, and saintly. We just, I, he just got there in the nick of time, and then Bart. Um, I couldn't believe how much work Bart was putting into him in between the, the the Cox Plate and the Melbourne Cup. And I rode him on the Saturday morning, and I think I went a mile evens on him, um, like fifteen minutes of furlong, and then worked home the last six hundred meters and. Couldn't hold him any slower the last 600. And mm. I thought, well, he's just improved out of sight, this horse. So it was just a matter of, um, you know, putting him in the right spot. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. Saintly dashing, two lengths in front. Cummings and Beedman. Cummings going for 10, and he's got it. Saintly welfare of Count Chivas, nothing like a Dane. And Skybo, but Saintly, Saintly wins it easily from Count Chivas second. A photo third over Skybo or Senator who ran on well. Uh, so I, I found him an amazing horse. I, obviously, I was young when I first come to Sydney and was watching him race, but it was just, he was an incredible horse. And like you said, I see him up in the flesh. He was in a massive, like a massive amount of horse flesh standing in front of you. Yeah, he was, he was a big, he was a bit like a 22-wheeler semi, you know. <laughs> it was, he was that long. Um, and uh, we never really got to see the best of him because he, he, he won the Cox Plate Melbourne Cup. Then we took him to Japan. And um, for the Japan Cup, I rode him and Bart, he, the horse got travel sickness anyway. Bart had to stop medicating him prior, so many hours prior to the cup. And um, he was actually, because um, he had a stomach bug, he was he was giving him 
um, Yakult, you know, the, the drink. Um, he was giving him the Yakult to, um, to, to, to settle his stomach down. And once he had to take him off all the medication or whatever he was giving him, um, yeah, he just went to water and he came back. And I won the um, CF4 in February on him. And then he broke down. So we never really got to see the best of him. He, he could have been anything, you know. Oh, you just touched on like uh, Bart giving them like them old remedies and stuff like that. And it's funny you mentioned it, Daz, because <clears throat> not a lot of people know. But um, on the Saturday night or the Sunday night, sorry, after shocking one prior to the Melbourne Cup, he run in the, I think it's now called the Lexus or it's on the Saturday, Derby Day. Um, he won that and on the Sunday night, um, he had colic and Merv, the foreman for Mark at the time, he, um, he said, well, we can't treat this horse, you know, like with what I want to treat him. The vet was there and they said, well, we can't treat him. You know, he's, you know, he's running the cup on the Tuesday. So Merv sent one of the stable hands to the, the stable fridge and he said, what beer's in the fridge? And they said, there's like two, two VBs and, you know, five carton drafts. And he said, well, bring me three of the carton drafts. And they tube the horse with the carton drafts. Apparently, the yeast or something in the in the beer stops it from yeah stops. But that's how they treat him with these three beers. But like I said, no no one knows that sort of story. But it's quite freakish with them old old trainers or old stable people. They know them old sort of remedies. We touched on good horses. I know saintly like your the list of good horses that you've ridden. You're probably one of the best jockeys I've ever seen and ridden with. Um, and the list of horses when I was going through them last night to talk about, what would be the best horse that you think you've ridden? Uh, best horse I rode, I, I think I won uh, 10, 10 group ones on Lonro. Um, you know, he – and I still think that even though Jack and Bob Ingham sent, sent him to start, I still think I still think there was another preparation in because he, he wasn't a – a, a, a bully type, like he was a he was a real genuine horse, and um, you know it, it, I think there was probably still another another prep there in him, but um, obviously you know the breeding barn, you know when you when you're pulling in eighty to a hundred thousand dollars a a serve, yeah you can earn more in the breeding barn, but um, like he was he just had quality and presence about him, and um, you know if you see a it was every time I went to ride him, I only ever rode him in, 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 in races on Hawksy never, you know what Hawksy was like. He never used to, you know, like you and I used to ride work for Hawksy and we'd be riding the thing on Saturday and like he'd put you on it two weeks before, then you wouldn't see it. Um, and it was the same with Lonro. Hawksy never put me on. Or, or I'd ride and work for you and then you'd ride on the Saturday <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. I remember the days when Hawksy, like if you, if you put in an ordinary one, I, you put in more than me, but um, he, used yeah. to, he used to send you down to Riley's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, I was always down there. I know. Riley's no is a place for, at for Warwick the... Farm. It wasn't part of the racetrack. It was it was on the other side of Governor Macquarie Drive, and you have to walk down the side of Governor Macquarie Drive, and it was a big paddock down near the river, and it was just basically to get them away from the racetrack. And <laughs> Hawks used to send Brownie down there, and the trucks would be going past, and the – Things would be flapping and canvas flapping, and next bit of horses would be going through the reeds. And oh, it was a classic. Yeah. Oh, mate, the amount of times that I had to serve suspensions <laughs> like that, if I wasn't at Riley's, you even sent me to Adelaide on a Saturday a couple of times. Like it, the only time that he, after me doing something wrong, 
that I didn't get punished was when he, he left me on um, Niello, Lonro's little brother. I rode him in the spring champion at uh, Newcastle and he told me, because you know what, I was I, my position in the race, so I love the 1-1. And I was riding the horse too close and I bounced him out and put him in the 1-1 again. And Hawks, he said, if you ride that thing again like that, he said, you're not riding it. And I rode him in the spring champion at Ramwick and rode him much quieter. And he proved me wrong again, John Hawks, to say, you know, like this horse needed to be ridden quiet to get him to win. But um, touching on trainers, you know, I, I touched on like Bart, Johnny Hawks, you know, John Size. Again, your list goes on forever. But again, can you can you separate trainers that you've ridden for? Like it's try like you know you're comparing jockeys and horses of different eras, and um, you know what they what medication they could use back in those days, back in the you know the early days. But if there's one that does really stand out as Hawksy, Hawksy, he was like. Yeah, I just um, – I was in awe of, you know, when he, you'd sort of go to the track of a morning and he'd be there up there watching him and you'd be wondering what's going through his head and you'd think he'd be going to go right and he'd go left and um, he'd put a horse in another you know, another race than what you thought would probably work. And, like, he, he really had mastered it not only with fillies and, um, you know, geldings, how he used to ship into Melbourne backwards and forwards all the time. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I think Hawks is as a overall trainer. I think Hawks is the best. What about sprays? Who, who, who go? Who, what's your biggest spray that you've had off a trainer? Oh, Jay O'Shea was the best. I, 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 I did. <laughs> of he said the I, same. <laughs> I did. Set thought I was in boot camp when I come back on this thing. I was like Sergeant Major John O'Shea, now now called Johnny O'Rumor. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I wrote, a, I remember the horse's name and I'm hopeless with names. I met, it was a horse called Bedouin. It was a 2000. Oh no. Yeah, it was a 2000 meter race at Ramwick. Anyway, I just totally just oh, gave it a sore back. And I think, I think you had to get the dentist to get the molars out of its back end. <laughs> it was the worst ride I've ever had. Anyway, I come back in and, and it was at, at Ramwick where, um, in it, where the where the uh, the old enclosure used to be in front of the grandstand, so you were right standing where all the members were. There was it was carnival time. Anyway, I got off this horse and I've walked over to him and I could just see like there was steam coming out of his ears. Well, he just let rip and I sat just had to cop it. And people were sending me messages and like. That was, are you okay? You know, hope hope you didn't hurt your feelings. And I was thinking, oh my god, like it was it was the best best spray I've ever had. And, and but to his credit, the horse um the horse did come out and win, so he was right. So anyway, next up, touch a bit more on the Melbourne Cup. What what makes this race, the Lexus Melbourne Cup, so special? What 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 is it about it that just it's well for a racing person, it's in your blood. But what makes it so special? Well, there's not too many races that. You know, like when I was going to school, you know, at, at three, three o'clock or three thirty, whenever the race is on, you know, we used to stop and listen to the like, and, and I had nothing to do with racing, so it's just it's steeped in history. Um, it's you know, it's it's been coined as you know, it's a famous saying, you know, it's, it's a race that stops the nation, and um, 
yeah, it just it just holds so much history to it, I think, and people just stop and you know, I, I guess back in in the era, you know, back where you know, back in the forties and the you know when the, when the depression, I was like, people used to rely on the punt, you know, to try and get a few bucks and. Um, I guess it's just continued on, but now it's uh, it's gone to a whole new level. Like it used to be a handicap, but really you need a and you need a and Bart Bart was a classic of being able to prepare a horse twelve months, eighteen months out for that race, like like a horse like Saintly, like he bred the horse, um, he owned the mum, he trained the dad. He bred saintly and trained him for for it. So, you know, it's just a there's there, there's so much that goes and and you know yourself how like it's a two mile race. Um, you need you need a weight you know, like you need a weight for age horse to win a to win a Melbourne Cup now. You, and that's why the international horses come over for it because they're they're that much more superior in 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 that um, field. We touched on good trainers. Um, you had a trainer's license for a little while. <laughs> Yes, I did, mate. I had it for a couple of months, and um, I thought I'd better re- better repay you back. Um, so I gave you a Group One winner. <laughs> See yeah. that George yeah. Moore medal come back as far as the Group One winner was. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for the listeners, yeah, no, Dazza Beeman took up the training gig while um, they were in between. I don't know why they didn't leave you with it, Daz. I reckon it would have been a great partnership going forward, you and I. Yeah, I was, I was always pushing for you, mate. But um, um, you know, I knew what you had, what what you could offer. And um, when when I got the gig, um, he, he was the ideal type of horse for you. And impending, and mate, it was one of the biggest thrills of my life was to 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 win that race and to have you on board too, too, mate. Because you know we go back a long way. Um, yeah. So you're sort of you're throwing the reins there in between Godolphin's choice for trainers, but. I'm not sure why they didn't leave you with the training training gig days. Yeah, well, it was pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered prior to me getting the the, the position of, of uh, head trainer in Australia. Um, uh, I, I was the interim trainer at the time, and but um, I really had to throw up the stumps. Um, I think it was about 30, 39 winners in the two months that I was there, and um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, just. Took up the ball and um, you know, uh, you know, they, uh, like if, if if people don't know that, you know, that was the operation that 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 you and I used to ride for, um, you know, back in the nineties with, with the Inghams, like um, Sheikh Mohammed, he he bought the operation out and uh, the Inghams operation out, and um, so we knew. Like I knew a lot of the mares and the stallions and the breeding. Oh, you're a, you're a massive asset to James. Like knowing the horses back to front, like you do. Like, and because you've ridden for the stable for so long, like you you do know more. Like, and you, I've I've heard you say things like when we're in the enclosure and stuff. Like, you refer back to their mother or their father or whatever it was to say that they need to be ridden like this or they need to be ridden like that. Like, to have an asset like that for a stable, I think it's. It's a big plus, and you should be should yeah, be proud, mate. Yeah, no, I I really, really, you know, it was. I didn't really realize how big the job was. Like, you know, when you've got the the the, the three um, the three yards running uh, interstate, the training centres, uh, one in Melbourne, uh, there'd be fifty odd horses down there, 
Um, you'd have anywhere up to, say, 100, 120 in Sydney at Warwick Farm, and then you'd have 84 out at Osborne Park, which is um, horse heaven. So it's a massive operation. And um, But Hawksy set the system in place and – you know, there's, you know, like there's been a few trainers, you know, come through there, like Pete Snowden and and Johnny O'Shea, and and now now James, and they've tweaked it in their own little ways. But the system and uh, the way that it works, it's it, it runs like a well-drilled machine. Would you ever consider if you got the right owners, or would you consider taking out the trainers' license again, or are you? Too happy and cushy in the job that you got. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm very cushy. I'm very happy where I am. Um, but you know, if if um, if the right opportunity came up, um, I'd certainly consider it. But you know, this is really, you know, it's like you know, after my fall in Hong Kong, um, you know, I was wondering what I was going to do, and I fell on my head over in Hong Kong and landed on my feet back in Australia when I got the job. So, you know, it was. Um, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy who I work with, and and um, you know, and the team. It's it's a it's a it's it, I'm re- I feel really proud to be part of it. As you touched on having the fall, um, I don't want to go too much into it, but would you tell us the story about when you went to? Um, I think it was a reunion of Kim's, and you 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 walked out the front of the the establishment, and because of the fall you'd had, you you had a, a slight stutter, and you walked out the front of some establishment and they wouldn't allow you to go back in? Oh, I've got a, I've got a few stories, Brownie. Um, yeah, I went to a school reunion for Kim at Bondi Beach and um, I think it was the Bondi Hotel, I think. And um, anyway, we'd been to the the, um, the, 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 the the reunion anyway. There was an afterflow party and anyway, we, well, we, we lined up and got into the party, in, into the party at the, um, at the, at the hotel and I had a walking stick and I had a stutter and I, you know, my speech wasn't that good, but I always looked like I was, I was half full. And um, anyway, Kim went to the toilet and went outside and she couldn't get back in. So I went through the door to try and find her. Anyway, this big gorilla of a security guard there, he's standing there and I said, he said, well, where are you going, mate? And I, I was stuttering and I sound like I'd, you know, had about, you know, five too many, and um, he said, mate, I think you've had enough to drink. I said, mate, I don't drink. He goes, well, you know, and he, he's saying, he's saying but, mate, don't listen to you, you know, and he was having a crack at me, and I said, mate, don't you know who I was? And he... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think you said you were starting to stutter and saying, and he goes, don't give me that, don't you know who I am? And then you said, no, don't you know who I was? What about the other time? What about the other time, Brownie? Like it was Steph Wallace, I think it was Steph Wallace's 40th birthday. Anyway, she had a fancy dress. I don't know whether I told you this. We had She had a fancy dress party. Anyway, so... I've mixed up the dates, and I we had to I had to go. I went as a cowboy, right? So I've went went and got got me outfit and got me cowboy hat. I went to the Newcastle races on the Saturday, drove back, got dressed, and I went to Chris and and Steph Waller's place for this party that I thought was Steph Waller's fortieth birthday. So I've rocked up there with me cowboy hat and me cowboy outfit and me and me chaps on, and um. <laughs> Anyway, I walked to the front. I walked, drove to the house. I thought, 
because I, I used to get my times mixed up and days mixed up. I, was, I don't know what I was doing half the time. Anyway, so I drove up to the house with Kim and I said, it's a bit quiet, like they, the party must be out the back or something. Anyway, all the lights were off anyway. So, <laughs> so I rocked up to the front door, knocked on the front door and next minute I hear this rustling and a few lights go on in the house and I'm thinking, oh. so next minute Chris opens the door, Chris Waller opens the door and here I am standing there a week early <laughs> for Steph's party. And oh, it was hilarious. So then Steph come out in a bloody dress and gown and the kids come out. The kids thought it was hilarious. They thought <laughs> they thought it was a pizza man or something. It was so funny. So I've turned up a week early for Steph Waller's 40th birthday. Like I didn't know whether I was Arthur or Martha half the time. Daz, like I said, you're probably one of the fierce competitors that I've ever ridden against, one of the best jockeys I've ever, ever ridden with. What 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 did you love so much about it? Like what was what drove you? What was the passion? Beating you. <laughs> <laughs> no. It happened a fair bit too, let me tell you. Yeah. No, I, 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 as you said, you know, a fierce competitor and, you know, every race, it was a different race. And so – you know, the challenges were new every day. Um, and, you know, I, I loved, I loved the, the, um, the rivalry, you know, with the jocks. Um, you know, I loved, you know, the band that we used to have and, um, and just, you know, trying to perfect an art that you can't perfect. Change, yeah, like tracks and horses and jockeys and you know, left hand, right hand, and distances and like personalities. And you know, trying to not only you know, trying to ride ride your horse, but also understand the competitors, the jockeys that you're riding against. Um, you know, knowing their strengths and weaknesses, and um, knowing the trainers, the same thing, you know, knowing knowing what's the best way to ride their horses, even though they've, they're, every horse is different. Um, so you're, you're forever challenging yourself, and that's what I used to really love. And, you know, the finishes and, you know, you know what it's like. You know, you're, you're in a race and you've, you know you've got a lap full of horse under you and going through your gears and timing your run. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, it was – and it's – that adrenaline rush that, you know, and you have to be fit and, um, you know, watching your weight, not that you watch your weight that much, but. <laughs> oh, you should have started watching yours a while ago. I've been in a good paddock. But um, but it just had so many angles to it that it, that that's what drove me. And I, and I really love the horse themselves, you Jazz, know. Touching on jockeys, Australian jockeys, who would you say the best Australian jockey riding at the moment would be? Oh look, we've got some great talent here. Um, you know, we, we 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 touched on you know Damien Oliver in Melbourne, 120. But the rider that that really you know that stands out, and I just love sitting back watching him. And he's he's ridden you know some of our horses at Godolphin, and he rides quite a bit for us. Is is Jay Mack? Like he's he's in a class of his own at the moment. He's that good. He doesn't. Well, he's that good. He doesn't know how good he is. You know, like he, he, he just, he's just, he's a full package and um, he's, he's just got, he's got so many strings to his bow, um, you know, in the way that he, 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 you know, 
he he presents his horses at the right time in a race and how effective he is in a finish. Um, yeah, no, I, I really I love watching him. It's it's a bit like watching you know a champion golfer or a champion tennis player. You know, they 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 they're just pretty to watch, and the, and they make it look so easy, Brownie. That he, he makes it look so easy. And at the moment, he's got no one taking the ball up to him. Like he's he's sort of like. He's just running it by himself. I think Huey. Um, I think Huey's about to make a bit of a bit of a turn. He um, coming out of the Winks thing, and he had a few personal issues. You know, I think that sort of like is behind him now. And I really think Huey over the next sort of few weeks, spring, I think he's going to lift. I'm not saying he's going to get back to J Max level, but I think he'll he'll get somewhere near him. You know, for what he did on Winks, that was that was a mighty effort in being able to keep focus for so long and and deliver like 10 out of 10 rides every time he rode her. I know it's easy when you're riding a champion because they, they, they make you look good, but you've got to be able to to handle the pressure. Like it's, um, yeah, it's like a... a I've never, a, been, never been put in that situation, but mentally I watched Lukey Nolan on Black Caviar because um, I was obviously riding for Friedman at the time in Melbourne and just sitting and watching Lukey, you know, it sort of a bit fried him, you know, like, but Huey, how he held his, how he held himself that whole time under that pressure is maybe take a hat off and give yourself a pat on the back because I don't reckon I'd be able to do it. Yeah, I think it'd be like, I don't know, if you're a golfer and you had to, you had, you know, every every final, every finish that you had, it was like a 20-foot putt, you know, and you had to sink it. Um, and people expected her to win. Um, and so that's, you know, you don't really realise that until you've been in that position yourself. And he's, you know, it was, um, you know, to be part, I remember going down watching Winks, you know, down there at the 300-metre mark when I was, um, you know, at the races one day with Godolphin, like helping Godolphin out and stand there on the outside fence, you know, just, just in awe of, of, of her coming past me, you know, she was an amazing, amazing horse. But she's well clear, Winks, inside the final 100 metres. Today we farewell an Australian icon, the greatest of all time. Winks wins her third, Queen Elizabeth beats Kluger. Well, Daz, you obviously watch a lot of racing. Um, any ideas for the Cup this year or any horses that are sort of going to the spring? Yeah, well, just just looking here in the, in the best bets. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the um, that horse Pete Moody's got. You know, I know it's probably favourites the race, and the race is probably going to be a little bit different this year, given that you know the you know with the, with the COVID situation and horses travelling and people travelling and but um, um, incense. How do you pronounce it? In, in sen- Insensitive. Insensitive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Brownie. I purposely picked out that horse because I wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> I was meant to say it. Yes, sir. I was asking before Bossy and I'm saying, what's the horse? How do you pronounce that horse's name? Incentivize. <laughs> Incentivize, yeah. Now, he's um, he's exciting, you know, to see a horse win like he has and, you know, rack up as many wins as he has in a row. And um, obviously, you know, it's a whole new ball game for him going down there to Melbourne and being with another trainer. But Pete Moody knows what he's doing and, can train a horse and yeah it's be exciting to see a horse like an Australian horse like this 
go through the ranks and hopefully delivers. It'd be good for um, Peter Moody as well as young Brady Preble. <laughs> yeah, Brady Preble, like he's, um, yeah, I rode against Brady in, in Hong Kong and um, he struggled a bit when he came back, but he's, he seems to have got his eye in and um, yeah, he's good to see. Thanks again, Daz, for coming on the show, mate. Uh, like I said, you're one of the world's best. Um, very happy to be your mate. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on, pal. Uh, thanks, mate. Um, feelings mutual, brother.